Good morning, everybody. I'm Sabrina. I am one of the pastors here at Life Path, and you may not know that because <laughs> I travel a lot. I am the traveling pastor, I guess. So, yeah, so if you've only been here for a few weeks, I've been gone for a few weeks. So, hi, I'm Sabrina. Nice to meet you. Um, yeah, in fact, I just got in at 9 o'clock last night from Southwest Florida. A really fun place to be right about now. Yeah. Um, wow. Hurricane Ian. Okay, so first of all, I just have to say, poor Ian you. I know. I know, right? Our Ian, our wonderful, awesome Ian, was getting slammed even on the vision team group me. The group texts were going through, and I think, Dwayne, you started it, probably. probably. Ian was pummeling the justices. And it was just such a great image that then we just kept going, yes, Ian's been pummeling us. <laughs> we were pummeled, I'll tell you what, by the storm, not by our Ian. Um, so we're going to talk about storm prep today because that is really fresh on my mind. And it's also, um, it's really cool. It's something that Jesus talked about. And it's, uh, it's going to be really practical this morning for all two and a half of us who are here. It's going to be super practical and not super heady because, first of all, that's me, right? I, I dig theology. I love to talk theology with people, but I'm not like the heavy-duty study person as much as I am the, so what am I going to do with this person? All right, so this morning we're getting a dose of, what am I going to do with this? And I hope that's okay. All right, so we're going to start with our, with our framework for our metaphor here. Southwest Florida. Can I put it up here? There we go. That's what my house looks like right now. Um, so my, my husband, Fred, and I have an, uh, a home that we bought in Southwest Florida um, as a part of his retirement, and we rent it on Airbnb and all this kind of stuff. Fortunately, we don't have renters lined up for the next few weeks because that's what it looks like. So, you know, our, our street sign right across the street came down. Our two Blue Bismarck palms, that's our neighbor's house. The part where the trees crushed the roof. Yeah, that was my tree, their roof. Not so good. Um, this is like the cages around the pools in Southwest Florida. They have screening so that the bugs don't eat you alive, right? Except that the hurricane just shreds the screens off of them. So no screens, lattice down stuff everywhere. Trees, willow oak up by the roots. Um, it rained inside my office all night, the hurricane. Um, and we thought we were spared interior damage, but a couple of days, actually almost a week after the rain that came in, apparently ran along rafters into the next bedroom and the ceiling has now like dropped. So whatever, you know, it's stuff. And it was so much worse 30 minutes south of us. We were in Northport, if you were watching the news, we were in Northport. We made the national news, Northport, Florida, for all the wrong reasons. Um, but Fort Myers and Naples and Sanibel and uh, so much worse, so much worse. So we were in high ground, we were spared the flooding, lots of wind damage, but storms come and they do stuff. And if you are in an area that is known for storms, like Southwest Florida is, you get lots of advice for what storm prep is supposed to look like, right? And there are long checklists of stuff that you're supposed to stockpile and that you're supposed to have. And 
and everybody's telling you which weather guy to listen to. There are such weatherman wars in Southwest Florida on Facebook, you cannot even imagine. This one guy who was like hurricane guy on the Fort Myers station, I think, for like years, and then he retired about 10 years ago. And he still tracks all the storms during hurricane season, and he just like runs information on his personal Facebook page, just being helpful. Well, there are people who are following some new weather guy who were like trolling this man's Facebook page and telling him that all of his information was wrong. And it's just, it was ridiculous. So anyways, you've got to find the right weatherman to follow. You've got to buy the right stuff. You've got to have the right generator. You've got to stockpile the right food. You've got to do it all. And then you've got to have your plans. You've got to have your evacuation bag packed. And it has to have all the stuff in it. And you have to have your blankets and your pillows rolled up because if you're going to a shelter, that is all it is. It is a shelter, right? And so you're going to bring your flashlight and your water. And oh, it's everyone, especially if they know that you're from Maryland, everyone, very well-meaning, tells you all these things. And everyone who's telling you something, none of them are saying, oh, good, you have those 72 items. You might want to consider adding these two. They just go, you don't have those two? What are you going to do? You've got to get those two. And of course, the stores are sold out of those two on the day before the hurricane. You know? Uh, it's, it's stressful. I'm just saying it's stressful. You gotta know. You gotta know how to handle it, right? And there's all this emphasis on knowledge. Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have the checklist? Do you know what to do with this? Do you know how to secure it? We have somebody tell us to throw our patio furniture into our pool because it would be less likely to be picked up by the wind that way. Yeah, and Fred said, can't we just put it in our dining room? <laughs> I said, sounds like a plan to me. So we put the patio furniture in the dining room and it was fine. But um, yeah, so you know, you get told stuff, right? You gotta know, you gotta know, you gotta know. And uh, then we talked to a few friends who have experienced a lot. Now people who know stuff and people who have lived stuff, the tone is different, okay? A lot of the checklists we were given were the same. The information wasn't wrong, but the tone with which it was presented to us was very different, right? Those people talked to us about how it's just gonna be unpredictable. You are not gonna be sure. You're gonna have what you have, you're gonna make the best. You're gonna to have to make the wisest decisions you can as you go along. Uh, but it's going to be what it's going to be. You're limited. We don't, they can't even decide until it's happening where landfall is going to take place. They can't decide what category of storm it is until it makes landfall. You can't know. So you're just going to have to make do. Oh, and by the way, help each other. That's what we kept hearing from the people who had experienced Category 4 and 5 hurricanes in the past. They said just look for ways to help each other out. Hurricanes are unpredictable. So it started out Tampa was the target, right? Here's, here's the southwest coast of Florida. Tampa was where they told us it was going to hit. And then, oh no, it's going to be a little bit farther south. It's, it's going to be more like, like Bradenton area. No, it's going to be Sarasota. No, it's going to be Venice. No, it's going to be Northport. <laughs> that was us. No, it's actually going to be Fort Charlotte. Well, that's most of our friends. No, it's going to be Fort Myers. And it ended up being Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Naples, Sanibel. Up until the last minute, the course of the storm was shifting slightly. The night before the hurricane, Fred was watching sports, surprisingly, <laughs> if you've ever met my husband. Um, and the next morning at around 10 o'clock, 
when it was starting to pick up, rain was starting to pick up, you know, and I had been tracking stuff. At that point, I still had cell signal. I was tracking the Mackie weather on the Hurricane Tracker app. And I said something about landfall. And Fred said, oh no, they said, it, they said it's, gonna, it's gonna hit like up, um, like northern Sarasota. And I said, when did they say that? He's like, last night. I said, they, nobody cares about last night right now. <laughs> nobody cares about nine o'clock this morning because it's 10 o'clock this morning. I said, it's changing all the time, right? You cannot predict it. Friends from up north said, get out, pack your stuff and go. And our gut said, stay. And we did think it through carefully. We really did. And we had stockpiled a lot, but we don't have a generator. Um, and our main, our main deciding factor was, where are we going to go? How far are we going to get? Are we going to be able to get gas to get any further than that? And would I rather weather a hurricane in my car or in my concrete block house? And we went with the house. And it wasn't a no-brainer, okay? It was a serious consideration. Are we gonna flee or not? It's not obvious what to do when a storm hits your life. You gotta think it through, and you gotta make the best choices you can, but you are not gonna have complete knowledge of how this storm is gonna play out. This is not a weather message, honestly. It's just a weather metaphor, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna get to the application in a moment. You know as much as you know, and you don't know, whatever you don't know, right? Jesus had wisdom for us about storms. <clears throat> he famously calmed one storm, right? In a boat, on the water, hashtag miracle. He famously slept during another storm in a boat, on the water, hashtag annoying. His disciples were not pleased. By the way, funny little side note, I fell asleep during the hurricane. I said it was really tiring doing all that prep. And I figured it was probably going to be tiring later doing all the cleanup. And it's stressful to just sit and watch the wind and the rain out the windows and wonder how much worse it's going to get. And so I did what I do when I'm under a ton of stress. I fell asleep. Fred thought it was annoying. <laughs> but I told Keith, and he said, that was very Christ-like of you. <laughs> <laughs> that made me happy. Um, yeah, so anyway. Storm metaphor. There, I found my spot in my notes. There we go. Storm metaphor. Here we go. This is from the message, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, and I love this. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. This is just a, a, a fun, cool way to communicate this. These words I speak to you, Jesus is talking to the crowds. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit. Nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This is the best teaching they had ever heard. This is how it goes in the NIV. In this first verse, we're going to lean into. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. And then we go into the wise man and the foolish man. Now, I am totally dating myself here, but 
Can anybody else sing the song? Yeah, yeah okay, we're going to sing the song. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. Sing with me. And the rains came tumbling down. Well, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. But the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling down. Well, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went splat! Now, the problem with this song, kids' life, you're probably out there going, what are they singing in there? <laughs> the problem with this song is that all of us wanted foolish man's house. Because <laughs> it's way more fun to yell splat in the middle of church, right? So I think there's a teaching problem with that song. <laughs> Nevertheless, <clears throat> we need this image of building a house on something solid, right? So we start with our kids and we want them to even to do something with their hands that's going to help them remember solid, right? Build on something that's not going to go splat, even though it's fun to say. And Jesus is really clear about this um, because he says, hear my words and put them into practice, right? Hearing his words plus practicing is going to equal strength. But hearing it without practicing it is going to leave you fragile. Apparently, it's not really what you know. It's not even really how you get ready for a storm. It's just how you live your life all the time. In general, that's what's going to prepare you for storms. It's your normal life, not your storm prep. Do you see the difference? Everybody in Southwest Florida wanted to talk to me about storm prep. What I ended up needing was a healthy life. So I'm going to carry the metaphor forward, and I'm going to show you why a normal, healthy life was what took care of us during the storm. That's what takes care of us during all kinds of life storms. My <clears throat> friends with a lot of storm experience said things like this. It'll be what it'll be, and you just can't know the details ahead of time, right? Does that sound like anything you've ever gone through in your life? It ends up being what it'll be, and you don't know all the details ahead of time. So good luck with that preparation, right? Think, make your decisions intentionally, do the best you can, but you gotta pick something. Anybody ever gone through a life storm where you reached points where you just had to make decisions and you didn't feel fully in the know about how that was gonna play out, but you reach a point where you just have to. Connect with other people, look for ways to help each other. Any life storms you've ever experienced where somebody else saved you and a moment later you saved them? There's something beautiful about relationship in a storm. Be willing to work hard. Just don't go nuts. You're just gonna have to ride it out and you're gonna deal with each piece of work as it comes before you. If you are okay going into the storm, if you're okay before this thing hits, then you will figure out ways to get through it. Health, building your house on the rock, 
hearing Jesus' words and putting them into practice. It's what has you healthy before the storm hits. My friend Sue, she's awesome. She lives down the street from me in Florida. She had a sinus infection before the storm hit. She also has a chronic autoimmune condition. So infection is a hard thing for her. And um, their house is a northward facing house. And we're right down the street, but we're on the side street, so we face east. That one difference ended up being a big difference because the winds primarily came from the north in Hurricane Ian. And so the front of Sue and Jerry's house took the front of it, and man, it just peeled their shingles off. The side of our house had a bunch of roof damage, but the orientation really mattered. So what happened was all this rain poured into their great room all night long. Sue, battling sinus infection, along with her chronic immune struggles, scooped and mopped and toweled water up with her husband all night long during the storm. And by the time it was over with, she was exhausted, and she tried to rest and whatever, and she tried to get to the doctor, and finally, 72 hours later, she had pneumonia because she was sick going into it, right? Um, it's kind of a picture of what Jesus is talking about, right? We hear his words, and they are not words about how to do weird extra stuff for storm prep, like taking tap water and filling your little Ziploc baggies with it and freezing them so that you have extra ice blocks to keep your meat from defrosting, which, by the way, is an awesome tip. I highly recommend it. Save my chicken, <laughs> literally. Not my bacon. I didn't have any bacon. But if I had bacon, it would have saved my bacon, saved my chicken. No, he's not telling us the weird storm prep stuff. He's telling us how to live. He's telling us how to live healthy. He's telling us where to build a house. I think it's really interesting that he doesn't say, build your workplace. Because it's bigger than that. It's more foundational than that. What's your house? Your house is where you sleep. It's where you eat. It's where you bathe. It's where you dream and plan. It's where you are creative. It's where you open your doors and welcome people in to share your life. It's where you build relationships. It's where you build a family. It's where you cry. It's where you grieve. Your home is the center, right? You're building your house on the rock. And that's a normal life. That's not some special something that you're going to need when a storm comes. What you need when a storm comes is a life. A life. You need a life that's filled with a love for God and for others, for yourself, with gratitude for everything you have and with an eagerness to share it, with joy in little things and patience in hard things, a life with diligence in your efforts and with humility in your confidence, a healthy life. A house built on the rock. The rains come down, the floods come up, and the house on the rock stays firm. Right? Jesus starts this passage calling us to hear his words. So it's good to look at the context. What has he just been saying? And this passage comes right at the very end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, which is 
Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you can check me on this summary later if you want, because it's those three chapters. I'm not going to read all of them, so I'm just going to give you my paraphrased bullet list of the Sermon on the Mount with my glasses. He told us to bring richness and light into the world around us, to stop fixating on the details of exactly what constitutes a sinful action, and instead see our selfish, malicious attitudes as the problem even when we don't act on those impulses. He told us to stop splitting hairs, building fences to show who's in, who's out, who's right, who's wrong about things, and to instead grow in love, even, by the way, for people who appear to be totally opposed to us as our enemies. He told us to live generously. He told us to pray gratefully. He told us to quit trying to impress others with our walk and to trust God to be bigger than we are. He told us to stop arrogantly thinking we can judge another person. And to ask God for more and more goodness. And to walk forward into deeper and richer life. And to be delighted with the fruit that grows out of a life that follows God. That's the words. And he says, now if you hear these words and put them in practice. By the way, please don't think this is going to work for your life just because you heard me say it. Don't even think it's going to work for your life if you learn to parrot what I've said. You have to put it into practice. Actually live this way. Guys, build your house on it. Here's what I found was the best storm prep. And I'm going to give myself permission to share a little bit because I just experienced it. So it's not just head knowledge. Yeah, that's my pool. The top. Isn't that pretty? Don't you want to dive in? Looks so refreshing. <laughs> and this is actually my neighbor Darren's house. Hefty bags full of all this stuff that just had to go. This is my charcoal grill. This is where I cooked for a week. For those of you who do know me, I am not a camper. <laughs> I am like a room service person. I am so not a camper. But I cooked on a charcoal grill everything for a week because we were without power for a week, without running water for a week. I shampooed my hair in the pool, not when it looked like that, but I cleaned it up first. So here's my coffee, and I just make bread breakfast. Know what you can, but remember that there's plenty you can't know. You just can't. So embrace your humility. There's tremendous power in recognizing how small you are in the universe, you guys. God is God. You are not. That is such a good thing. <laughs> Life storms are unpredictable. So eventually, you just have to think it through, pray, trust your gut, make the best decision you can. Have good stuff in your life, for sure. but. Don't assume that you're going to have what you need for a quick fix for everything that comes up. Generators are great, but they don't mop up the floor that's making your tiles slippery, you know? You need beach towels for that. Expect to work hard. Being prepared does not mean that this process is going to be easy or comfortable. You may have to pull globs of decomposing leaves and roof shingles out of your pool by hand, a lot, for several days. Be flexible. Make coffee in a cold brew pitcher, then heat it up in a pot on your charcoal grill. No, it will not taste very good, but it will be coffee. Be content with things being less than ideal. Be willing to let go of the stuff that's ruined. Not every item in your life can be salvaged when a storm hits. Don't make the letting go harder than it has to be. Think outside the box. 
So, upper left here, that's our neighbor's house that the tree fell on. And uh, it's too small to see, but that's Fred and Miguel out there cutting up the tree, and Ania and I were dragging all the branches out to the curb, and good time was had by all, seriously. Truly, it was fun. <laughs> Think outside the box. You may discover which palm tree fell on your neighbor's roof, and not only do you have to sweat alongside him to cut it up and drag the branches to the road, you also have to do all that you can to lovingly share your life with him so that he knows that you're really, really sad that your tree broke his roof. Oops. Oh, by the way, he might not speak English. So you might be scrambling for more Spanish words than you have yet to learn on Duolingo. Um, lo siento, lo siento. Tu necesitas agua? I was passing out the bottles. Um, then there was yo tengo Polsaw? <laughs> How do you say polsaw in Spanish? I don't know. That's how I'm doing lingo. You can find ways to communicate with people. It may not be particularly comfortable or familiar. And Miguel and Ania may very well turn out to be the neighbors with a generator and a long extension cord who insist that you plug your fridge in for a few hours every night. Isn't that cool? You guys, we have been looking for a way to communicate with the Priecos for a year and a half. And we've tried, hola! <laughs> and Fred and I have been doing Duolingo, we've been trying to get there. Kim went over when she was down visiting and helped us connect a little bit. But unless their 13-year-old son translates for us, we just haven't been able to, there went my connection. We haven't been able to feel like we could be good neighbors, you know? And at the end of this adventure, with cutting up the tree together and dragging everything out, um, we ended up able to, say, to look at each other and, and they'd been prompting whatever. We had one sister-in-law there who, who was bilingual, so she had helped us get through some of the trickiest parts. And um, then we were leaving and, and Ania said, Sabrina, Fred, vecinos buenos. We're like, oh, we're good neighbors. It was so cool. It was so cool. Lean into relationships. Lean into relationship with God, lean into relationship with other people, accept help when you need it. Like the roofing crew from New Orleans who came and put a tarp on our roof so that it would stop raining in my office. But offer help when you can too. Like when your sick neighbor Sue, her elderly parents need coolers and ice. And her husband Jerry is on a neighbor's roof with Fred helping put tarp to keep it from raining in their houses. And Sue is running so much fever she can't drive to her parents' house. So you get in your car and you go, no big deal. 15 minute drive turns into two hours because all the roads are flooded. All the roads are closed, all the detours. But you get there and it's so worth it because Mrs. Chandler is such a sweetheart. And her little dog Brody, he's so cute. And they needed to be loved on. They couldn't even reach Sue by phone because the cell towers were all scrozzled, you know? So we're trying to check on her by phone for hours and can't do it, and I was able to get in the car and go. Persevere. Keep trying to send that same text message with a picture that proves that you're okay to your own elderly mother in Delaware, whose dementia has her scrozzled enough that she's very afraid that you're not okay. And every time you've gotten a call through, it's only lasted about 15 seconds before you've lost the signal. And she's worried. She's 
worried, she's worried. And so you send the same text message 25 times until finally it goes through. Got a first of <clears throat> Patience is often going to trump knowledge. Practice saying it'll happen when it happens while you're waiting for a week for the electricity to come back on. Patience will serve you and all the frustrated, tired people around you much better than having a lot of knowledge about how electricity works. Right? There, I, I heard people talk about how, well, I saw this out on price, and they had the this pole and the that pole and the this and the that, and I, I think they're, I, I think they're uh, you know. People had opinions about how the FPL workers were restoring power to our neighborhood. And I thought, really? <laughs> Do you think that's helpful at this point? If you're not a lineman and you can't climb the pole, stop being critical, and just when they're done and their bucket truck goes down the street, hoot and holler like a maniac in the yard and clap and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, and they'll toot the horn and, you know. There's a time and a place to just be patient and be grateful because you're out of your depth. You can't do it. You've got to let somebody else. The bottom line is to be healthy before it gets crazy outside. Being kind of sick now, it's going to be pneumonia before the storm's over. Don't worry about what storms might be brewing on the horizon. Do you know that worrying about the storms that might be coming will make you sick so that you're not able to deal with the storm that does come? Just build your house on the rock. Listen to these words of mine and put them into practice, says Jesus. Live healthy. Build a strong life. If you don't mind, you don't have to, close your eyes and just listen for a moment to just words that I've already said, but I'm just going to say them slowly and I want you to just kind of let them sink in. Live healthy. Build a strong life. Build on solid rock. Lay aside the judgy attitudes. Lay aside your need to be proven right. Love, trust, be grateful, not impressive, share, serve, gratitude, humility, generosity, service. This is the way to be prepared, friends. Nurture all the good stuff that the Spirit causes to grow in you over time, like diligence, Flexibility, a willingness to let go, creativity, a commitment to building relationships, perseverance, and patience. Okay, so I don't have a connection, so can you hit me, Dwayne? What does good storm prep look like? Hit it again. Hear Jesus' words and put them into practice with the emphasis on the practice. Hit it again. Live well. Live strong. Live healthy. Prepping is not really the point. Living healthy is. Hit me again. Prioritize relationships. Life path we are forever talking about creating a community of disciples. Connecting to God connecting to one another, connecting to God's redemptive work in the world, right? Prioritize relationships. 
Be grateful, not oppressive. You really don't need to live an oppressive life. But if you live a life that is so grateful for everything about it, side benefit is people are going to be impressed. <laughs> They're going to notice that. They're going to see that and go, wow, I want to draw close to you and learn more about this because your life is not like most people's lives, right? Nurture creativity. Make space for creativity in your lives. Nurture patience. Practice. Fred has a piece of paper that says, it feels better to be patient. I'm actually the one who made it for him, and I don't know that he appreciated it, but <laughs> he kept it, so he must not have hated it too much. And it sits on his dresser because he struggles, especially in traffic, with patience. He says he is addicted to impatience. And so he has this piece of paper. It feels better to be patient. It doesn't actually feel better to practice being patient. But if he practices and the patience grows, he actually feels better when he is patient. Because it does feel better to be patient, right? Nurture it. Nurture perseverance and contentment. Storm prep, that's good, you're cool. Storm prep has nothing to do with the specific storm that may be brewing. Could be cancer, could be bankruptcy. Could be a tree on your house, could be a divorce. We just don't know. So don't worry about prepping for the storm. It has everything to do with hearing Jesus' words, putting them into practice while the sun shines. Practice, practice, practice. You'll be ready when the storm hits. You will even be ready for the parts that you are not ready for.